Welcome to another edition of the WCPO High School Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Dyer, and this High School Insider Podcast is presented by our local Greater Cincinnati and Northern Kentucky Chick-fil-A restaurants, where the play of the game is always chicken. Log into the Chick-fil-A app for easy contactless ordering. Here we are, week three of the Ohio high school football season. I have a conversation with Kentucky High School Athletic Association Commissioner Julian Tackett coming up a little bit later as Kentucky starts its football season this Friday night, September 11th. But uh, let's get back to Ohio. Plenty of storylines as we enter week three, believe it or not, of the uh, season here. And I want to bring in Talawanda head football coach Larry Cox and also Talawanda senior running back and linebacker Tyler Teeters to the WCPO High School Insider Podcast. And uh, a big victory for the Brave on Friday night, 17-7 to win at Harrison. The first time in 25 years, believe it or not, that uh, Talawana has defeated Harrison. And uh, Coach, let's just start with you. Uh, let's talk about that momentum from this past weekend and how it carried into Labor Day weekend. What was that like for, for you and the players and the entire coaching staff? Well, you know, obviously that's a that's a really neat win. I mean, to, you know, we we respect everything about Harrison, the tradition that they have. Um, you know, it, it's one of those things where we didn't go in with the mindset of let's beat Harrison. We went in with the mindset of just carry out the game plan and whatever happens happens. Um, like I said, obviously that was a great win for the kids. I was real happy for the uh, for the kids, just like you alluded to. Hard to believe week three, it's nice that we've had three weeks, you know, knock on wood without any hiccups. Uh, But I'm just so happy because of, you know, what the kids endure, you know, and and everything that has gone into this pandemic. And it's just, I I think they've come to appreciate every little practice, every little game, every little moment that they get, uh, you know. So obviously, again, uh, you know, proud of the win. Um, but it's just – it's one step in this season. So we just got to keep trying to find a way to improve. And, you know, as I told the kids, we still have room for improvement. Tyler, let's uh, go over to you a little bit. Uh, you and Coach Social Distancing here a little bit. Uh, and appreciate you fitting me in right before practice here. But uh, uh, I know you want to look ahead to Ross, obviously, but just maybe a, a quick thought on uh, Friday night. What it was like for you and your teammates? Uh, I thought it was a great win. Our guys did a good job. Um, as Coach said, we still have – a lot of room for improvement. Definitely haven't played our best game yet. Um, watch some film, fix some things this week, and go and make improvements to come back better this week than we were last week. Coach alluded to the fact that just the uniqueness, and everybody's talked about that around the entire state of Ohio, obviously, of this season and everything. Can you tell me about just maybe the challenges, but also the uh, the sense of gratitude that uh, you've had maybe just going and playing this this entire season? Uh, we're all extremely thankful that we got to play so far this year, and hopefully we can finish out the whole season and go into the playoffs without any hiccups in the road. And um, The environment's a little different this year without all the fans and, like, the student section. But the reality is once you get on the field, you kind of tune it all out and you just kind of play the game. How unique is it? Do you, do you catch yourself maybe glancing up there a quick second just to see if, if there are any of your other students there? Um, maybe before the game, but once the game starts, it's pretty much locked in and focused. Coach, I'll go back to you for a quick second. Just the, uh, the community feel around the Talawanda football program all around, around Oxford. And, um, I mean, it's got to be a renewed sense of pride from, uh, obviously you took over this program December of 2018. 
the Brave were five and thirty-five, I believe, the past four seasons leading up to when you were hired. Um, just talk a little bit about the turnaround, coach, if you could, uh, and a renewed sense of pride around the community. Well, I, I think it starts with kids. You know that in the end, all the credit goes to them. I think they wanted they wanted to do what it takes to win. Um, you know, they just actually wanted to be they wanted to be held to a standard. Um, and they've answered every challenge we've thrown at them. And I couldn't be more proud of the kids because I think once you get the kids to buy in, the community's going to buy in because the community's always going to be about the kids. And these kids have done a great job. Um, you know, we still, you know, we've got places to go for lack of a better term, but at the same time, I always tell them we're not where we've been, but we're not where we're going to be. And it's only through diligence and hard work and, and following the plan and the process that they'll get there. And it is, it's nice to hear the positive uh, comments in the community. And, you know, as Tyler alluded to, it's, it's a little different this year because you don't hear as much because, you know, they're not there, um, you know, which good, bad, or otherwise, that's okay. As I told the kids at the beginning of the year, all we have is each other. You know, as we walk in the, the football facility, all we have is the players, the coaches, the support staff, um, you know, our trainers, doctors, things like that. And together, you know, we're doing that. Now, obviously, it's a little more than that because the parents, you know, there's going to be some intrepidation with everything going on. And, and justifiably so. So, you know, with the new processes, I think there's a level of trust. But, uh, you know, obviously it's nice to bump into people and hear the nice winds and things like that. But um, like I said, in the end, I'm, I'm happiest for the kids. And I think the kids really, you know, they, they do talk about a renewed sense of, of pride, um, a renewed sense of what's possible um, and, and where can we go. And you, you see them fighting a little bit for that. So um, that's, been, that, that's been very gratifying for me. Before we talk about Ross here a little bit, uh, maybe just go back to uh, some of the, the standout players on both sides of the ball, Coach. Just uh, who you've impressed with. Uh, we've seen the stats and everything, but uh, certainly have, have, you've had some players really step up for you in these past two games. Well, you know, it's been interesting because we did graduate a really good senior class last year. And it's one of those where, you know, a few people are like, ah, oh, you, you know, you'll have to go in, retool. And, you know, it's been more of, finding the right pieces of the puzzle um, and, and putting it together. Um, you know, when I, when I look at, you know, a lot, we do have a few two-way players, you know, Tyler being one. And, and Tyler's sort of been one of those ground-level guys from day one. And, um, you know, obviously he started as a quarterback when he was a sophomore. And it's one of those things where he sees where the value is and, and where he can help the team. And he's always been a team-first guy, but – He's one of them. Um, if I just start, like, from an offensive perspective that play both ways, Jonathan Richter at uh, tight end and outside linebacker, um, Nathan Deathridge at um, defensive tackle and offensive tackle. Um, as I go down the line, um, Andrew Miller, who's offensive guard, but he's a backup defensive tackle. Um, as I keep going down to the other tight end, Grady Holmes is a tight end in our free safety um, DeAndre, both a Streveli, halfback and corner. 
So you can see we've got, you know, five or six guys that, you know, and I, I think they're starting to wear that as a badge of honor as opposed to anything. And, um, you know, it's, as I tell the guys, the best are going to play regardless of which side of the ball you're on. So, you know, and I think, again, it's something that the kids have, have bought into. Um, I think it's easy to watch major college football or, you know, professional football. Whoa, I should only be going one way. And the reality of our situation is, you know, if the best are going to play, this is what's going to happen. Now, if we can get someone coached up and ready to play and give them a spell, we do have some of those players that, you know, can step in when needed. Casey Terman is another one who starts at corner, and he'll come in and spell Tyler at running back if he needs it. And he's really stepped in and, and, and has done a great job there. Um, you know, so, you know, DJ uh, uh, Morris Williams, he's our starting nose guard, but he can step in at fullback if he needs to. So, you know, there's a, there's a lot of pieces of the puzzle. We just sort of got to move it around. And, and, you know, when you look at guys like uh, Grady Holmes and Jonathan Richter and Braden Wright, who's our quarterback, well, they didn't even play football last year. So, you know, we're getting that type. We're getting other athletes to come out now. And I think – um, that's good because, you know, we want kids to play as many sports as you can and, and come out and see how you can fit within the organization. It's been a real positive experience for them. Tyler, what's that been like for you? Because, I mean, you've seen, obviously, the ebb and flow of this program and, the, the you know, the losses, but also the wins now coming. And um, what's it been like? Just give me a sense of just around the school, around the community. I mean, you're, you've been a part of this for quite some time now. So what's this been like for you? Um, it's been an uplifting experience. Um, came in freshman year. I believe we went one and nine. Wasn't a great year for the team. Sophomore year, we went two and eight. Um, Coach Cox comes in last year. Come in, goes seven and three. It's a real big jump. The guys really got, like, every win built more and more momentum. And everyone started, like, seeing the potential that we can reach and where we really can be and that we weren't just like a average football team and that we had potential to be great. Was it more, even more psychological than physical in some ways? I mean, just a, that winning culture that you hear about at all levels of football. Can you talk about that? I think it probably is to be honest. Um, Cause a lot of it was just like oh, the football team, they're not very good this year or just like that kind of stuff going on in around school or in the, like the community but then once we started winning last year, towards the beginning of the year, the culture started looking up. It was more like, oh, great job on Friday, and go get them this week. And you had a lot more support and kind of like a snowball effect as it built up. be honest, I've known uh, Coach Cox for quite some time. He was 21 years there at Lakota West. I didn't cover all those years, but uh, what's he like uh, pregame speeches and just, just uh, trying to get you guys to get after it? Uh, it's very uh, straight to the point. It's more about – as he uh, was talking about earlier, it's not more like – it's not really – we're here to – like he said earlier about beating Harrison. It's more like we're going to sit the game plan, and we're going to do the little things right, and we're going to be really good at what we do, and then the wins and losses will take care of themselves. You didn't tell him about all the quotes you and uh, Andrew Miller copied down, have you? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Very diplomatic answer, I could tell. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, Coach, what uh, obviously a big uh, Butler County matchup uh, Friday night uh, versus Ross. Coach, what are your first thoughts on uh, facing the Rams? Well, they're, they're big and they're physical. Um, they come off the ball 
Um, you know, it, it, their, their offensive line is, is really – it is a large offensive line, and, and they just like to come off and move you. Uh, their fullback does a great job um, of falling forward, as I say. He gets those positive yardages. I tell people, if you're six foot tall and you fall forward, you're going to gain two yards. Um, and if you take a step, you've now gained, you know, three to four. Um, you know, and then C.J. Bose, their quarterback, is very, very elusive. He's an outstanding running back as well as quarterback. So, you know, he's definitely a dual threat type uh, kid. And, you know, so they present issues, you know, defensively. They remind me a lot of us, you know, they're, they're running a three, four, they're slanting and angling. They're moving around. They're not letting you get a good shot on them. Um, they play hard. You know, it, it's, it's one of those backyard rivalries. And, uh, you know, Coach Commons does a great job getting his kids prepared. And, uh, you know, it, as I tell the kids, don't dwell so much on what Ross does. Dwell on what we have to do. Because in the end, that's who controls how well we play. We do. And, and that's sort of been always our message week in and week out. But, you know, we have a lot of respect for, for Ross and, and, you know, where Coach has taken him. So, you know, we, we obviously it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a great thing. Tyler, uh, I know it's a six-game regular season. I realize everybody gets into the postseason. But uh, in some ways, do you feel like every week is a, is a playoff week in some sense? Um, in a way, yeah. Because when we get into the playoffs, it'll only be week seven of like a normal season. So we just want to build up the momentum and just start playing as like a playoff mindset and playoff contenders and just play it as we want to keep going and make a run into the playoffs. Well, Coach, uh, I want to leave you maybe with a quick thought here. Going back to your – we talked about your 21 years there, Lakota West, uh, as we kind of wrap up the discussion about Talawanda football. Uh, a little bit of the news, Indiana, Indianapolis Colts uh, center Ryan Kelly signed a contract extension uh, last week. And uh, I know you coached Ryan. I know you're still close with him. And I know he, he actually spoke to the Talawanda football team uh, in the preseason as well. But, uh, Coach, how happy are you for, for um, Ryan's news there this past week? Well, obviously, it's a, that's, a, that's a huge deal because, you know, as I once talked to him about that before, you're not talking about affecting, you know, Ryan, you know, his future wife, Emma, the family. You're talking about affecting generations, um, and, and, and you can point back to that. Um, and, and I'm just, you know, proud of the man he is, let alone – the football player he is. I think, you, you know, there's all kinds of talented people that didn't make it to the league, you know, for one reason or another. Ryan made it to the league because he's talented and he's got outstanding character. Um, and, and, and it's proof that if you do things right, you'll get rewarded. Um, you know, I didn't get a chance to tease him because the next day Deshaun Watson got a little – Almost the same type of contract, but I think there was an extra zero on at the end. So, you know, that that, that old offensive line and quarterback deal. But uh, I think, uh, you know, happy for the whole family. You know, his, his mom and dad, Dave and Ann, are just great people. And, and you know, I just – you know, I, you, you're just proud to see that, you know, things are going right for good people. You know, you do good things enough, it, it turns out good for you. And, and that's what I'm happiest for for him. No, you had a Zoom call with some of the players. Tyler, were you on that by chance this past spring? 
Okay. What did you learn from, to hear from a guy like Ryan? I mean, what, what was his message to you guys? Um, a lot of it was just about his work ethic and being a hard worker and everything you do and how coach said about just being like a good overall like man in general. That's about more than just like football. How did you take that to heart? I mean, why was that important for you to hear that? Um, personally, I've always worked hard and everything and my mom and dad work hard every day. So I've kind of grown up around that whole um, basis of having a good work ethic, but it comes to show how coach said that if you just do the right things and be a good person, it'll come back to reward you in the end. Talawanda senior running back and linebacker Tyler Teeters and Talawanda head football coach Larry Cox. Really appreciate your guys' time and perspective, and uh, best of luck to the Brave on Friday night. Well, thanks for having us. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate you, buddy. Thank you, guys. Well, again, you could tell the amount of pride that uh, Talawanda head football coach Larry Cox and uh, senior Tyler Teeters have within the program this year, a 2-0 start for the Braves. So uh, excellent uh, matchup with Ross on Friday night as well. I want to remind everybody that this High School Insider podcast is presented by our local Greater Cincinnati and Northern Kentucky Chick-fil-A restaurants, where the winning play is free chicken. Log into the Chick-fil-A app for easy contactless ordering. Up next, the conversation I had with KHSA Commissioner Julian Tackett as Kentucky High School football starts its season this Friday night. Julian, thanks for taking a few minutes. Not a problem. Glad to do it. Well, obviously, a lot to talk about here, but... um, First of all, let's, uh, let's get into uh, the August 31st letter from the Kentucky Board of Education. Um, obviously, they sent a letter to the Board of Control urging uh, the expansion of, of COVID-19 guidance uh, for the 18-member uh, committee there. Um, I haven't seen a, a formal response, but maybe it's been issued already, but uh, what has been kind of the discussion after that letter was sent uh, among you and the Board of Control? Well, we've talked to uh to several members of our board, but more than anything, we've reached out to the Department of Ed who works for the State Board of Ed, trying to get some clarity. I had a really good uh, meeting yesterday. I think that, um, I don't know quite how to say it, there there may have been some things that were already contained that they didn't really realize till we showed them where they were in the resumption manual. And I think that uh, we obviously accept the letter. Uh, It's a a peer-to-peer letter. Um, so it's, uh, you know, it's a tough time because nobody's ever navigated this kind of thing before. And, uh, while we can't look in the crystal ball and give perfectly clear answers, neither can they. And we're all trying to, to work and continually adjust. I know I, I've looked at the 39 or 40 documents that are on the KDE website for the resumption of school that changed just about all the time. So, I mean, we're in that same boat. There's a lot of new information on the landscape. We're certainly able to watch some states that started a little bit earlier uh, and see if we need to make any adjustments. But uh, we will continue to work with them. And and I suspect uh, if there are any gaps uh, that they perceive and what they'd like to see addressed, we'll work toward trying to meet in the middle somewhere. As we record this, just a few days from the start of obviously – a lot of the fall sports seasons uh, starting September 7th, cross-country, field hockey, soccer, and volleyball with football officially starting September 11th. Um, give me a sense maybe just around the Commonwealth of uh, just the, the anticipation of those fall sports seasons. It's been quite of a, a unique spring, summer, and early fall here. But uh, for those sports to get going, what's the feeling like? Well, it has been, uh, you know, the feedback we're getting is uh, – kind of half mixed between total excitement and trepidation. I mean, nobody really is sure uh, of everything they're doing. One of the things that we did in our guidance from, from moment one was 
recommend kind of phasing things in. Let's don't start trying to be ready for the end of the year, whether it's coaching, whether it's setting up games. Let's try things. Let's experiment a little bit because they may work differently. I watched uh, several football games last weekend that happened to be on national TV, and there was varying levels of compliance, let's just say, uh, uh, with all of the, the COVID safety standards. And we've continued to to try to preach those standards. As I watch some of the out-of-state schools, they when they get in that setting of the actual play, it's tough to remember uh, what you've taught yourself over the summer and some of the restraint. I watched a game that was outstanding football game. It was decided in overtime, and, and they kind of forgot all about uh, the health standards toward the end. But you know, that's that's probably going to take some time to get it ingrained into people and, and get everybody to settle into a new way of dealing with it, at least a new temporary, temporary way of dealing with it. Here in the greater Cincinnati, northern Kentucky area, obviously covering a lot of Ohio high school sports, and they have an inspector's program, as it were, um, to, that goes out to random football games and writes up reports if need be. Um, does Kentucky have anything similar to that? Do you anticipate that? Well, it's obviously a possibility if it was ever needed. I think at this point, thankfully, that was funded by their state, which helps. Uh, they, they got some help in that. We may end up seeing the need for that. Right now, um, the feeling that we get is people are so excited about the opportunity to play. They would uh, – it's like, just tell me when and where. Um, we, we, we think that the, the actually the participants, the coaches are, you know, unbelievably ready for compliance. Uh, the worry is, of course, who you bring in that hasn't been in those environments. Uh, you know, whatever level of fans that schools uh, vote to allow to bring in, et cetera, are they really – are they going to spend all their time arguing about whether or not there's a virus, or are they going to spend all their time promoting the 17- to 18-year-olds that you're trying to give the opportunity to play? Now, from my understanding, uh, attendance policies, it's up to the local um, health uh, department in each – each area. Uh, do you see that changing? Do you have any numbers just in terms of what that standard might be for attendance at football uh, games, for example? It is varying. And part of the reason it needs to vary is that our facilities aren't the same. Um, having been around this a couple of semesters, you know, when you look at it, the, the football field at a particular school uh, might all have one access going in and out uh, to a small set of bleachers. and Another person in their school may be able to handle multiple entrances and still have a few people in there. You've really got to – they've got to handle it themselves. It's a burden. It's a lot of responsibility. And I think there's, frankly, some people out there who would prefer all the decisions be made for them. Uh, unfortunately, in, in the very few states that have seen that happen, uh, what happens is the decisions – they, so everybody wants somebody else to make the decision, but then they want to disagree with the decision. So it, it's, it's a little bit of a catch-22, and Kentucky's very much a local control state in so many things, and the facility issues just kind of bring it up and remind us that that's probably a good idea in this case as well. Do you have an example, maybe some of the bigger, quote-unquote, bigger schools uh, for football stadiums, as it were, because here in Ohio it's 15% or 1,500, uh, the, the – the less of the two. So do you have a range of what that could be just for some of these bigger well, football stadiums? We have it in our guidance uh, that they should look for a maximum of 20% counting everybody that's not on the field for, for events. But that's also just a suggestion because they may be, they may not want to go that high. And I have heard a number of schools. We have a school uh, 30 minutes from Lexington that's not going to have fans their first game. Uh, they're in an older stadium. They kind of want to see how all the, 
how everything goes uh, with the games themselves and then move on to fans. It's probably a very wise approach. There's another district uh, not too far from here that's given uh, two tickets per uh, player, cheerleader, and band member. And there's others that are looking at higher limits. I think the reason, that's all the more reason why it has to be a local decision. Uh, you know, you, you, you can't, you know, what, what we've tried to, what we've heard, and I guess we've uh, listened to is that you can't just have local control over the easy decisions. Sometimes you've got to make them that are, that are more challenging and nobody's better equipped to do that than our school people. They have shown that since they pivoted on a dime in about two days and totally changed the way we deliver education in March. Uh, they've had to deal with post, uh, post-year or end-of-year ceremonies. They've had to deal with graduations. They've had to deal with all kinds of things. So they are very adept at working with their outstanding local health departments uh, and seeing what really can work out in this time. And, and it's just going to look different. Uh, there's no doubt about it for the, at least these first few weeks. And let's see how it goes as we head into the three different segments of each season. How is the KHSA maybe giving guidance just to actual game days or game day competitions, as it were? Because all throughout the summer, we've heard, you know, meetings and Zoom calls and rules and regulations and guidance. And, but when it comes down to it, you know, like, like you mentioned, watching games on TV, I mean, this is real life stuff. Um, what, what guidance, what advice do you give to maybe an athletic director or a coach that is just going into this? Like, like you said, maybe feeling a mix of emotions, excitement, but also some uh, trepidation as well. Well, the biggest thing is, and I think it'll be easier on our newer people than it will be the veterans because the veterans can't simply take the cash box, go out front and set up ticket sales and run it like normal. It's not going to happen. They've got to, they've got to watch the attitude of the fans. They've got to watch, uh, they've got to look for social distancing, et cetera. That's why early on when we divided in June, when we uh, issued our information actually in May for June and July for the summer workouts, we were very specific about some of the safety things, the social distancing, the constant hand washing, the, you know, the, the mask started getting used to them then and of course the order came through or the recommendation came through that everybody wear them and we had already phased them in by now so we have we've tried to learn not only from uh, what's going on in the schools and get that out early uh, it made it easier for us that we didn't have to make a bunch of wholesale changes at the start when we sent our game guidance out it was really just a matter of amplifying what was already out there uh, and that was that was convenient I think for our schools but we have spent uh, the last four months uh, on different calls and meetings, whether it's our athletic director and coach groups or other state associations, we have probably never been a, a more unified group of state associations than we are right now. And that doesn't mean we all have the same decisions because we all had different influences. In some states, the governors have had uh, more influence. We have had great collaboration from day one with our governor's office, with our lieutenant governor's office, with our public health people, to where we could kind of chart our course. But we also knew that first and foremost, we were not gonna be first, we were not gonna be last, and we were gonna to try to observe what, what other people were doing. And that has really been a strategy that worked to where I think our schools are, are primed and ready for participation. You mentioned the past four months, Julian, and uh, just bigger picture question here. Uh, Dr. Carissa Niehoff of the National Federation of State High School Association, she had a quote to saying, planning high school sports and performing arts programs as the COVID-19 pandemic continues is the biggest challenge any of our leadership has ever faced. Uh, what has this been like for you just personally over these past few months? 
Uh, 24-7 doesn't begin to describe it. Um, trying to just be a constant uh, sponge and, and, and flow through for information, trying to watch what's changing. The, the difficult part about this is most any subject, well, part of the difficulty, most any subject that you take on, you can uh, intensify your research, you can really get a body of knowledge and you can make a decision, but your research that you've studied doesn't normally change. In this case, it changes daily, sometimes hourly, uh, what recommendations are. We have seen regulatory changes. We've seen CDC changes. We've seen federal government changes. We've seen things that may or may not be complicated by the current election year. We've seen uh, school districts that can't all do the same thing. You know, we would all like to have uh, a COVID testing protocol like the Southeastern Conference has, and, and let's test everybody three times a week and, uh, and be sure that every, it's just pristine out there. And unfortunately, that's a financial burden and an operational burden that, that schools can't handle. But more than anything, it's an, it's a, it steps into an area where the parents have kind of risen up. Uh, in some areas and you know there's you've got all the you know all the talk originally was we're going to have some restrictions till we get a vaccine and now the argument is about we may or may not want to take a vaccine or we may not want to take it early and so every factor seems to be constantly changing and that's just something that uh, I have jokingly said all summer long that whenever you know I, I was blessed to be able to get a couple of three college degrees at different times and different levels and Whenever we studied being an administrator during a pandemic, I missed that class because there was, it was simply not, uh, there's no way to train for it. And, you know, Dr. Niehoff's right. Uh, it's an understatement, but she's right. It is certainly something that probably because of that constant change, we also have trouble, you know, our state is a little different maybe than others and maybe exactly like your coverage area states, but um, we've had such a turnover to administrators. And, the young administrators don't necessarily have the, the protection that comes with experience. Uh, they, they can't uh, make uh, as many autocratic decisions as maybe some of our veteran decision makers can. And then you factor in the fact that in many cases, our local boards of education are influenced by people who elected them. That's, that's what representative democracy is. So, you know, their, their knowledge base might be different. They may have different questions than the superintendent has, which is different than the coach has. Um, the, the bottom line that we have tried to stay focused through all of this, I have used the expression lately, I feel like we're conducting a circus in the middle of a tornado, but the focus has been on the students. And if we can get that focus together and do what's the best while realizing there's no perfect choice, we'll be okay with this. Or to think ahead, uh, literally a week, let alone a few months or into next spring. But uh, bigger picture, before I let you go here, just how do you think this impacts high school sports going forward? I mean, I, we hear, you know, the, the opportunities that uh, the states where their student athletes have been able to play or been able to at least start competing, uh, just a sense of gratitude. But just kind of curious, you know, um, maybe going forward, how this impacts just the psyche of, Coaches, ADs, student-athletes, everybody involved in high school sports going forward. You know, I probably would use a baseball analogy real quick. I want to stand in the batter's box and, and think dead red, but I better be ready for the curveball. You know, we, we were, we're going to try to plan as though the 2021, although it will look different, 
uh, one thing I have said the entire process since we shut down our girls tournament is that we really hope that 21-22 looks really close to 18-19. But 2021 is not going to look like anything we've ever seen. So we've got to plan methodically. We've got to be, be the best with the information we've got. But we have to be ready to pivot and adjust at a moment's notice. And it may be just as quick as that pitch coming in that was different than I thought it was going to be. So I think that's the challenge for all of us. We have to remain vigilant. We have to remain optimistic. And we have to be kid-centered. What we cannot do in our country is we cannot shut ourselves up in our houses till all this goes away. So uh, Dr. Capilouto is president of the University of Kentucky. Made a, uh, quoted someone else, but he made a comment that, that I literally have kind of taken to heart in that we, we have a choice of battening the hatches and staying home till all this is gone or living and navigating a COVID world. And, and I think we're, we're at that point where we have to make very smart decisions, but none of those decisions are guaranteed. HSA Commissioner Julian Tackett, really appreciate your time and perspective and uh, thank you once again for your insight. Not a problem, glad to do it. Well, as you can tell, Kentucky high school sports starts this week with a great sense of anticipation as the high school football season starts in the Commonwealth this Friday night during the COVID-19 pandemic. I want to thank Julian Tackett, Commissioner of the KHSA, for all his time and perspective as he kind of recounted all the challenges and looked ahead to see what the future holds for Kentucky high school sports. Also, a shout-out to Talawanda head football coach Larry Cox and senior running back and linebacker Tyler Teeters for their perspective and a preview of a big Butler County matchup against Ross on Friday night. I want to check out my story on WCPO.com about the new executive director, at the OHSAA, that is Doug Ute. I'm going to be having uh, more conversations with him as the week goes on. We'll have a, an update for you maybe later this week or on next week's episode as well. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you soon.